What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Swamp and Stomp podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be joined by the Ranch Fairy. This is a guy that if you've ever looked into what kind of broadheads or arrows or bow setups you should be using while hunting any kind of game in North America or the rest of the world for that matter, then you've probably heard of this guy and seen some of his content. He spends all of his time focused on uh, researching the different kinds of broadheads um, and arrow setups that you can use while hunting, uh, how they penetrate, what kind of damage they do, um, and he tests all of them out on actual animals um, and documents all of uh, the things that he sees. And so from that, he um, puts a lot of information out there um, about this topic. So if you're wondering what you should be shooting to hunt, then hopefully we cover all of your questions in this podcast. And remember, if you have any further questions, make sure you drop a comment and ask us. We can always follow up on it in a future episode. We are currently hosting a giveaway. We are giving away a um, XOP Invader platform and a set of XOP X2 sticks. This is about a $400 value in total. Um, and all you have to do to get into that giveaway is become a Patreon member. And you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash stomp. So go check it out. Um, and hopefully you can win this awesome set of gear. Before we dive into it, just want to make a couple of quick announcements. Um, first of all, um, if you're looking at getting some of our high pine camo, uh, now is the time to do it. We are running pretty low on supplies. Um, and we will not be restocking until after the season because we are pretty busy hunting ourselves. Um, so if you want to get some of that, make sure you go check out the website at swampandstompllc.com. If you're looking to save yourself a little bit of money on hunting products, uh, make sure you check out in the description. There's a few coupon codes uh, for companies that are sponsoring this podcast and the YouTube channel, um, including Pursuit Platforms, um, JX3 Hybrids, and... Um, Spartan Forge, and I'm sure I'm missing some that I'm not thinking of right now, but just go check down in the description, save yourself some money. And finally, uh, hunting season here in Florida is well underway, and we've already got some pretty awesome content out this season on our YouTube channel. So if you found this podcast through a podcast app and you've never seen our YouTube channel, make sure you go check it out. Um, it is just called Swamp and Stomp. Um, other than that, you can find us on other media sources as well, like Instagram, TikTok, and we have an awesome Facebook group where you can uh, talk with other hunters and share your ideas um, and learn from uh, other people just like you. In this particular episode, there's going to be a lot of references to visual aids that we're talking about. Um, if you want to see the footage so that you can see what we're talking about, um, if you watch this on Spotify you can see the video feed as well as the audio. So go check that out. And with that, I'm going to shut up. Let's get into this podcast. Sweet. It says it started. All right, we're recording, apparently. So Technological genius. The three technological geniuses are here, or the three stooges, whichever it might be. And I am Mo. Depends on the Mo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm I'm pretty good at editing video, and that's about as far as my technological genius goes. So yeah, right. All right, guys. Uh, so welcome back to another Swamp and Stomp episode. I'm your host, Mark, and I got John here with me. And today we have a special guest. We have got 
Troy, the Ranch Fairy. If you have ever uh, typed into Google, what kind of arrow setup should I hunt with? There's a good chance that you have found some of his videos. You might have um, seen this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Troy, why don't you just uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you got the whole ranch fairy thing started. So I'm a, I came out of the womb with a bow and arrow and a fishing rod. There's no explaining. There's no other explanation other than that. And mostly a fishing rod. And that's, that still pervades today. Um, so I was really ate up with bow hunting. I've shot trad. I've hunted with flint points and woodies and hand tied fletch. And I mean, I went off the rails there for about a decade. I shot trad. I shot every primitive. I did not shoot a primitive bow, meaning a stave, but I shot a lot of it. And um, I killed a deer in 2007 that scored 155 is legit, low fence, no genetics, none of that crazy high fence garbage. And I kind of lost, and at the same time I had children, but I kind of lost the passion for shooting whitetails. I just don't care to kill another one. Um, and I haven't since then. I've helped people kill a hundred of them, but I hadn't done it. I've started doing some stuff with kids and my family and that kind of thing. Anyway, I never lost the love of shooting big feral hogs. And I'm talking about a, the adults that are 200 plus pounds. They've been out there a while. They're pretty sneaky. You just don't see them that often. When I'm seriously hunting big hogs, I kill two or three a year. And I pass. So like how big are we talking? 200 to 250 pounds. Okay. And they just don't get that big on our place. We don't have any 300s. I've seen one that may have been pushed 300. We don't have any agriculture around us and stuff out in West Texas and stuff. They got some monsters. So a 200 plus pound pig on our place is probably four or five years old. He's been shot at a few times. He's pretty smart. And we're, I'm hunting over deer feeders. Distance is known. I have preset tripods. It's a pretty, it should be a slam dunk deal. And in the late early in the late 2000s, after I killed that deer up into about 2015, I was struggling killing them. I, if I look back, I bet I was 50 percent finding dead ones when wow. I was hunting the big ones. And I had mechanicals, and I had cut-on contacts, and I had super fast arrows, and I had whatever the shop told me to do. And I'm also a respiratory therapist. And I know how the cardiopulmonary system works quite well. In other words, I was trained to keep you alive with holes in your body. So I know what kills you. And it didn't make any sense. I was putting pretty good shots on them. I was getting half an arrow in them. Sure as hell wasn't passing through. And it, one would go down in 40 yards and the next one would be a ghost. And it, it just didn't. So... The ranch fairy thing is because I run the ranch and I'm the ranch manager and I tell the family, this is 15 years ago, I said, just call the ranch fairy, he'll fix everything. So it's kind of a slap in the face to everybody for wanting to know when the deer are going to show up and why the AC is not working, come fix it for us. So that's where the name came from. I've been calling myself that for years. So given what my results were, which were pathetic at known range, and I was pissed at the big ones, I read Dr. Ed Ashby's Natal study on high penetration arrow platforms. That's all he studied. He studied one thing, 
how to make an arrow that'll go through just about anything at any angle. That was his goal. And I said, wow, 650 or 700 grain arrow, single bevel broadheads that are that long. Um, so for those of you who are just listening, he's holding up. What, what's that broadhead you're holding up? That's, that's a, a 300 head. grain tough head. That's 425 grain broadhead with a uh, with the insert in it. Three inches long, one inch wide, single bevel. This is the design of the broadhead for you. Those of you who are watching it was the gold standard in Dr. Ed's study. Moderately unstoppable. And I said, okay, rational human being. I'm also a moderate philosopher currently reading uh, three different philosophy books. But um, I said, if I'm not, if it's only 50% now, what do I got to lose trying this? So I said, all right, well, I'm not that crazy, but I'm stupid. So I went from a 400 spine arrow to a 300 spine arrow. I put 100 grain brass inserts in it, and I put a 125 grain Magnus stinger on the front. I'm not, I wasn't jumping all the way off. And the first pig I shot with it, it went through it like it wasn't there. And the thing folded up in 50 yards. And I went, wow, that is not my normal deal. The normal deal is a loud black sound. They haul ass. And half the time I find them, they never bleed. Well, this pig went down so fast, I didn't have to trail him. Blood, blood trail wasn't necessary. I heard him go down. So I shot another one. I said, wow, that's working. So then I went and went big boy. No, no, that's not true. I said, that crap don't work. And I went back. Just like everybody else does. I feel like I'm at that stage right now. <laughs> what? I feel like I'm at that stage right now. Right. So I went back and I said, that's bull crap. I'm testing it again. So I went back. I got my 400 spine arrow with aluminum insert. I got a Schwacker 125. I had a 230 pound pig come out in front of me at 17 yards and the damn thing literally bounced off of it. It literally hit, I've got it on video. It's one of my old videos. The reason why I know he's 230 pounds because to show that I am as human as the rest of everyone, I was also building a big boy arrow, 650 plus grains with that big tough head on it. While I'm shooting the Schwacker, I'm piddling around with a really big arrow. So this arrow bounces off, it doesn't bounce off. It goes in about two inches, it hits the feeder leg and flies in the air. I've got it on video, 17 yards right there in front of me. So I tune up an arrow. This is actually the broadhead I had, same three inch long kind of thing. That same dumb pig comes out two weeks later in the same damn spot. That's how pissed off he, you know, he wasn't even scared after I bounced the arrow off him. And I shot him with that arrow and it went all the way to the fletch on him and he ran 16, 60 yards and went down. And I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going back. I got a question about that scenario though. So did you hit him in the same spot? Pretty much right. And I shoot right above the elbow, right on the crease. So the, the because their their lungs and everything are real far forward. So, so the yeah. didn't even hit the bone. No, I couldn't find a mark on him because I think it just penetrated to the cutter things and stopped. But I didn't hit. It wasn't a errant shot. It wasn't anything. Not necessarily a knock against a schwacker. It just is what it is. That's what I was shooting at the time. But I had the other two that I shot through like lightning that went nowhere, and then I smashed that through him. 
and it buries through the flesh because I still didn't know how to tune arrows back then. I just had it kind of flying. And he just died like dead, dead. He was so dead. It was awesome. Heard him roll, you know? Yeah. And so I said, well, somebody's got to see this stuff. So I said, well, this will never go anywhere. And I started the channel. And the ranch fairy thing was a sheer accident. What a marketing genius I am with that semi-gay transgender name in the big tough guy tattooed bow hunting world. <laughs> and when I typed it into Google, nothing came up. Yeah. So you're either really unique name so nobody forgets it or your content's out of control and people spread it around. I'm the former. Right. I mean, hell, you have you have like your whole you have like a whole slogan now. Like, what is it? The snort and the snort fairy. the fairy dust. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Shoot so, the big uh, part, snort the fairy dust, whichever one it wants to be. Shoot yeah. adult arrows. There it is. So well, yeah, so the the name worked out pretty good for you. Honestly, the first time I heard the name, I I thought it was range fairy, and I was like, oh, maybe, I was like maybe this guy works on a gun range or something. Like, yeah, right. I, I, I work on I, I work on a ranch. <laughs> I, remember, I remember looking it up. Like I remember going on YouTube and being like range fairy and I couldn't find it. Eventually I figured it out though. So um so it, it's kind of interesting you you bring up the schwacker because I've I've shot schwackers quite a bit. Well, I, I wouldn't say quite a bit. I've killed a few deer with schwackers. And um the reason I got away from them wasn't the same reasons you got away from them. The thing I hated about them was uh, they would either open in flight uh-huh. or they wouldn't open. Like, because yeah. I remember killing a deer where I had a, you know, a one inch cut on both sides. And it's it has that like, you know, the little one inch cut going in and then it opens behind the rib cage, supposedly. I, I did see that a couple times, but I was like, what the hell? If this thing's not opening, then... Why am I even bothering with this? This I remember the broadhead. God, I should have kept it. The blades were bent, like twisted. Oh, every time. Right. (laughs) I I haven't figured that out yet because rages do it. A lot of the mechanical broadheads. I think it's the it's the rotation of the arrow in flight, and as it hits, I think that the blades are so soft that as it hits, literally, Mm -hmm. it literally bends them as it goes through. But the tip was also bent on mine. And I think, but I can't prove that I shot, well, I know I shot that pig in the shoulder meat. Okay, so you got, that pig was probably two and a half inches of meat before the rib cage. Like Uh the actual shoulder roast that you, you know, you cut off behind it and pull the whole leg off. Mm -hmm. That thing was probably two and a half or three inches thick because he was big. Our our pigs are big and square in the front. They got little butts on them. They're real feral. They're not real porky pigs, but all pigs are pretty thick-shouldered. So are elk. And so what I think happened was I think the meat was so thick that it started to deploy before it hit the rib cage. I think it pitchforked. I mean, and then then it stopped, right? So that's what I think happened. I don't know. I, I don't know because there was no wound on him. It was hell. His friends do worse stuff to him than that. When they fight, they rip each other up and chew on each other. It yeah. was nothing to that pig. But my theory is that the distance between the point of the schwacker and those cutter blades was the meat was thicker than that. Yeah. And it hadn't gone through the rib cage yet. 
Yeah, I could see that. So it hit the, the little cutter blades hit, it started to deploy and then it hit the rib cage. And it was like a pitchfork. That's what I yeah. think happened. I, I don't know. No, I mean, I mean it was when I shot sense. the big boy arrow, that some bitch died. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it, 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 when you explain that, it kind of seems like a pretty poor design. Well, the, the whole theory behind the schwacker itself is that it would get through the rib cage and then the yeah. cutter's hit and it pops open inside. Great. Until you shoot an elk in the shoulder and yeah. the meat's four inches thick and the hide's on top of that and it's thicker than the blades and then it deploys before it hits the rib cage, which is like a classic mechanical, yeah. and then just gets eaten alive, you know, thereafter. So... I don't really mean to bash on the swacker. That's just my experience. I shot him. Two weeks later, I killed him. And that's actually the impetus of the channel. It's not a swacker bashing contest. I've yeah. shot a lot of animals with other mechanicals that either were awesome or failures. There was never a middle. And a lot of muzzies, a lot of thunderheads. I'm old enough that the thunderhead was a revolution. That's how old I am. That was the coolest thing ever. So... So the the it's first deer I, watch. first deer I ever shot was with a rage chisel yeah. tip, and yeah, sure. um, the I just remember the blade afterwards. Just it was like a serrated blade all of a sudden. Yeah, it was all chewed up. Yeah, the steel was real did, bad, and all it did was go through the rib cage. You know, like, and it yeah. was it was like a ninety pound doe. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the last time I used rage. Um, so, I just okay. don't, they're, they're just not, there's a lot for the upside of the flight. There's a lot of downside. If all you can, if, if all you're concerned about is lethality, they are, there's a lot of downside at impact. And my only concern for the viewers and the people listening out there, I want you to kill your deer so fast. It doesn't leave sight. I want you to put them down so fast. You don't track I don't want you trailing. I don't want you to have to have blood trail. And so, so we can make that happen. So I got a, I got a question. Um, yep. So, so obviously the, the whole reason that people argue that a mechanical broadhead is a good choice is because it makes a bigger hole and you get a better blood trail and bigger holes yep. bleed faster and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yep. You, do you think that there's like any benefit to having a larger wound channel than say what like your tough head um, would create? There is definitely there. You can't argue that a bigger hole is not going to bleed more and the bigger, wider cut is cutting more stuff. Yeah. Until it doesn't move after it hits them. Right. I'm against all the wide single bevels coming out. So, I mean, I guess, I'm, I, guess I mean, the, I'm against all this stuff. Everybody's trying to go up to an inch and a quarter and all this stuff. You're going to start having arrow flight problems that you can't manage. So then the arrow's a little off, runs three inches to the left, and then the deer moves, and you're seven inches off. Right. And it's just – it's not a decent trade-off. It's not. It, I've shot a bunch of pigs. I've had a lot of people do it with me, and – watching the success of the hunting public guys now, they shoot them and they put their hands up. They don't shoot them and hide like they think they're not going to find them. They shoot them and go like that. They know they're dead. Like yeah. they're over it, right? So, so I, I will say this. I have shot three deer with a single bevel broadhead. Mm -hmm. the, first, the first two 
were last year was the first time I put a single bevel on my my uh, arrows, and that yep. was the um, yeah. What are they called? The helix. What? Who makes? Oh that? yeah, Strickland Helix. Strickland sure. Helix. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so the first one I shot, it was quartering away really hard, and people can watch this video. Um, I think it's called something like. Florida buck in the swamps. Just look that up on YouTube. I okay. shot it quartering away hard. The arrow went in right in front of the ham. Yep. And then went all the way through and it popped out the chest. And mm-hmm. it basically it it got caught on the fletchings because you know, mm-hmm. like you know where the sternum and the ribs meet. Sure. That's like actually that. a pretty tough spot. That little spot there is kind of rough. Exactly. And and so the it pushed through that and then the fletchings got caught in that little wedge and it didn't go any further than that. And, um, so you shot through a whole deer pretty much hanging on by the fletchings in the front. Yeah. The entire, pretty much the entire deer. That doesn't suck. uh, (laughs) That's with, um, 62 pound, uh, draw weight and 28 and a half inch draw length. And only, I'm only shooting 500 grain arrows. Okay. So, like, I'm not shooting super heavy, but mm-hmm. I, I still find that the single bevels, like, I mean, they, they penetrate like crazy. So that was the first one. It went 75 yards dead. Never found a drop of blood because of, the mm-hmm. like, all the blood was pulled up inside of the body cavity. Because yeah, the that fletchers were, holding the, were closing the hole, sure. Exactly. Totally reasonable. Um, so it didn't go far. Um, the second one, I shot, you know, this is like what we were talking about before we hit record that in public land, you don't always get the perfect shot. And I had this, I had this buck pop out again. People can watch this one. Uh, This buck pops out of nowhere, comes walking straight to me, Mm -hmm. like straight to the tree. Mm -hmm. And I shot it at seven yards, Mm -hmm. um, quartering two, (laughs) not a great shot, but it was, it was like either I'm flinging this arrow right now, or this deer is going to bust me. So Mm -hmm. I shot, I put it just just a little bit behind that shoulder blade and mm-hmm. basically caught, uh, you know, the back end of one lung and, and just like a little bit of the other lung. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it didn't even know it was hit. It just, yep. it like ran 10 yards and was like, what the hell was that? And it looks around and then starts just walking. And it yep. literally just, it just went to lay down. Like you could yep. just tell it was like, Oh, I'm kind of tired. Like I'm going to lay that down. That is one thing that people will see you. You would see the same thing with a double bevel that's really sharp. Mm-hmm. A very low impact uh, projectile. I started to see. I've shot three deer that didn't leave. They just stood there, and walked around in circles, and fell over. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it's also what, it, didn't, it didn't touch the bone. So I think that when it hits the bone, it like really lets them know like something just like it's it's a harder impact, you know. Yeah. I of think course. when you flip it between those ribs, they don't even know what the hell happened, and you can't do that with a with a mechanical. No, it's it's real common to see those deer really haul ass when they're yeah. hit with a mechanical broadhead because they really get popped pretty hard, right? So yeah. it's a secondary benefit of shooting something. Like I was saying earlier, if you're shooting a double-level two-blade platform that was razor sharp, you'd see very similar kind of reactions or no reaction, however you want to yeah. frame that. It's not uncommon. Um our pigs have a real, I have all my feeders over years. I've set them up where we have about 30 yards of moderately open before they hit the brush. 
And um, that's because they just don't bleed that much for the first 30 or 40 yards. And you get a good line of sight on them. Generally, they make the brush and go about 15 yards, and they're dead right there. And I think they make the brush, and then they calm down and go, what the hell is that? Yeah. And they just go back to doing pig stuff, and then they fall over. I mean, <laughs> I mean well, it's pretty so cool. The, the third, the third one, and, and this is the, the last example I'm going to give because I don't, I don't have any more with, uh, with single bubbles. The third one I shot like two weeks ago, and that video actually hasn't dropped yet. It's going to be dropping on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I screwed up like big yep. time. I messed up. I had a perfect 20-yard broadside shot. I don't know what the hell happened. I'm still convinced that it's because my knock broke off on launch somehow because mm-hmm. when I got down there, my knock was snapped off. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know though, because it had a light on it and you could see it in flight. So I don't know if it like bent and that caused my shot to be all wacky, but I missed my point of aim by 20 inches. Like Oof. I don't even know how it happened. Yeah. You're knock broke or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm thinking. Cause I'm, I'm a pretty good shot. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll flinch occasionally, but to flinch that big, I don't know if, if I'm yeah, yeah. anyway, I went uh, right through the back strap and uh, right in front of the ham and right underneath the spine. Cause I was, I was really like, artery off. Yep, exactly. And mm-hmm. that deer ran 30 yards tipped over. Yep. So my experience with single bevels has been pretty good. <laughs> they're really, they're really a pretty crazy great platform. I mean, I have this. I've had similar experiences <clears throat> to you that it's just it's really made a difference. And the one thing I have learned to do over the last three to four years is really learn to sharpen, and it's really made a difference. Yeah, it's I, really I made a difference to get them. Literally, you don't want them to shave hair where the hair lays down on the blade. You want them to shave hair where it pops it, it pops it. Yeah. You won't believe. I say this on a lot of podcasts, but it's really a nice analogy. I was on a pod, on Aaron Snyder's podcast, and this is his analogy, not mine, but I'm stealing it because plagiarism is okay. We're not in school. Um, so credit Aaron Snyder with this. He said, you got to be thinking about your arrow system, not your bow and all that stuff. The arrow system like grades. And if you start with I'm going to talk about edge sharpness. If you start with an A plus hair popping, doesn't lay, lay on the blade, pops off kind of edge and it erodes to a B plus on impact. You're at a B plus. If you start with one that'll just hang your thumbnail, that's a B plus, and it erodes the same, you're at a C when it hit, when it goes through the animal. You've lost a ton of cutting integrity by erosion of the blades. The edge doesn't do anything; they stay sharp or they don't. Yeah, but as long as it gets through the animal, it doesn't really matter, right? Nope. That is absolutely one of the biggest lies on the damned planet Earth. So inside of the lung tissue, you have arteries, you have airways that are, um, think of them as duct work. I'm going to use the house analogy. So we've got foam as the lung. We've got spaghetti as arteries. Okay. We've got the same, like a wet balloon 
as veins and the airways are like ductwork, like pinned open, like air conditioner ductwork. If your broadhead dulls, it won't cut the spaghetti off and it won't cut the ductwork. It'll bounce off. Or tear so through, you, right? Right, so you, do, you have not cut everything you can possibly cut when you're shooting through them. Right, it'll kind of push the so, spaghetti out of the way and just slip sure. through it. Yeah. Hey, listen, I've there's a there's an artery right here in your wrist that you stick for blood gases. Okay? When you're doing a blood gas test, you want the gas coming out of your heart. You don't want it you want as much oxygen in there as possible. So there's an artery right here in your wrist. And you stick a needle in kind of this direction. That damn thing rolls out of the way a lot. You have to stick people two or three times sometimes. The artery will just literally be sitting there. You stick the needle against it, it goes no, and the whole artery rolls out of the way and the needle goes right by it. It is the damnedest thing you've ever seen. And that's a needle. I'm telling you, it's not a very big needle either. And those are like So when you shoot a moderately dull broadhead, and if it hits anything like mud, like a pigs are muddy, right? Their hair's real bad, an elk's been wallowing. Yeah. Hits a rib, dulls a little bit. There's the possibility that some of the stuff that you that the broadhead should cut does not cut it. So what happens is your blood trail gets longer. I think they die. I'm with you. If you put a moderately dull broadhead through the lungs of an animal, probably going to die in a while. Yeah. You want it to cut every single tiny little thing it can. And if you can get down to like... Um, so let's just imagine there's arteries that are hair size. There's arteries that are the size of this wire here, which is about six gauge, that's uh, about 10 gauge. If you don't cut the ones that are the size of the hair, but you cut the ones that are bigger, you want to cut them all. You want this compounding effect of everything it touches cut, cut off because you don't know what you're going to hit. And you sure as hell want to cut those airways off. Anything carrying air to the lungs, you want to cut those off too. So you want to cut the airways off. You want to cut the arteries off. You want to cut the veins off. Because you only get one pass, right? <laughs> there's no, there's no backing up and pushing it back through again. Well, sometimes, sometimes you get a second shot, but uh... yeah, right. Second shots are different, but yeah, that's the compounding effect that causes maximum lethality, and so. You just gave us a couple, three examples, and it didn't sound like your blood trails were outrageous on any of them. Um, I had the one that I shot through the uh, whatever those arteries are. In the, uh, the iliac probably blew, bled like a freaking stuck pig. I, I thought it was a femoral artery, but I guess it's not. But, um, but yeah, no, that thing, I knew exactly what I did as soon as I shot it because mm -hmm. it took two steps and blood just squirted out. Yeah, of it. right. And, yeah. and so, like... I didn't even, I didn't even think to take a second shot because I knew that I got real lucky as soon as I saw that. But um, yeah, the the other two, I didn't really get any blood. Yeah, so you can't predict blood trails. And I would I would bet that if you were to look back and John YouTube at all the deer you've shot, if you would write down what the blood trails were like, you'd be surprised how many of them are easy. 
<laughs> I don't know. I immediately think of one that he shot last year that was just yeah. like, but it was just one of those shots where it was like straight down. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like 30 of course. feet in a tree. And I mean, <laughs> and you know, it was a eight yard shot. So you're talking about bad angles. Um, Sounds like it was a good angle. <laughs> it was. I mean, I mean if, you, if you watch the video, like, I mean, what, you got one lung? Yeah, I just got one lung on it. Um, so it went. It, it ran, but it ran three to 400 yards. Yeah. Sure. But a crazy blood trail the entire time. It was like yeah. somebody was like, had drilled a hole in a paint bucket and started walking so through. So I can explain bucket. that. So when you get those low, low exit wounds, when they inhale and they're blow, they're inhale, the air that goes in their mouth goes into their chest cavity and has to go out somewhere. So it's going out both of your holes. Yeah. So it's actually blowing the blood out the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So right. you just it's happen to have a super low exit wound. So it didn't have, it didn't have to fill up. Yeah. So the when you shoot them broadside, up. right. Yeah. There's some, there's some air, there's some space down there that it blood can settle in because gravity is going to take over and it won't come out. Yeah. But those low exits, Oh, my son shot a pig with the on the when we first tested the ranch fairy broadhead, right behind the hip, and it came out right under its chin. It was a line. I mean, it went forty yards, but there was a, right at impact. Of, the broadhead was stuck in the dirt. There was blood all over the arrow, and there was just a line because it was just pouring. <laughs> it was pouring out from under its chin. No breaks, just right. I if anything, it sounds. It sounds to me like. It sounds to me like this is a pitch for uh, getting higher in the tree. <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Uh, I mean, it, we, it we makes do. the it makes the kill zone smaller. Yeah. Those low exit wounds are real good, and the further forward you can hit them, right above the elbow, and get it tight on the shoulder, you're going to well, start killing them so fast. Find them, and they don't really matter. Right? Yeah, his method is just shoot him in the spine, and then, and then yeah, right. There you go. Just break them, get them, knock them over. It doesn't really matter what broadhead you're using at that point. <laughs> I've got a subscriber who lives in Hawaii, and he works on a golf course, and they have a pig problem. Yeah, and yeah. he shoots like 600 grains and single bevels, and he head shoots them because he can't have them running across the golf course. Oh, really? oh man. <laughs> He sends me oh. pictures every year of a pig in the back of a golf cart, and it's got an arrow like domed, like barely. It's just head shoots. It's funny you say that because I got a buddy of mine who does the same thing, but he does it with a field point. Really? Does he, it work? Yeah, he just like sticks them right between, you know, right above between mm -hmm. the eyes, and uh, with a field point, it, you know, all you got to do is get that much penetration and. You got the brain, so. I've had three deer come in this year already in pictures where people, the deer spun so hard they took it in the forehead. Really? Oh, man. I get three to five a year where the deer, they may be quarter and two or whatever. I don't know what the situation is, but they say, you know, I, I had a shot at the shoulder. I hit the trigger, and they spun, and right there, one guy had the fletchings were here, and the broadhead just went straight down the neck, and the broadhead was in the chest. Oh, damn. We didn't need to do that, but. It knocks them over. Okay, yeah. I want to. I want to. I want to switch gears here. Yeah, we we're like getting way off on a tangent. Like, I, let's go. Let's go. Devil's advocate. I want to hear that. Well, okay. So the first first, throw I want to some I, hate. Throw me some hate. I, I want to. First, I want to ask you a question though. Like, from all the research that you've been doing, like, if there was 
one like if you could sum it up into like one sentence like what is the take-home message like let's say somebody's listening to this podcast right now and their wife is yelling at them that they need to do the dishes and they're about to turn it off and you get you get 10 seconds to to give them a take-home message what's it gonna be like what have you learned um are you shooting the most lethal projectile you can build that's i don't care about arrow i don't i don't care about trajectory I don't care about aerospeed. Are you shooting the most lethal penetrate anything projectile for the shots that you regularly encounter? Okay, okay. now go get yelled at by your wife. Have fun with that. My wife's not so, home, so I so, can say whatever I want right now. So instead of posing that as a question, would I be would would I be correct in saying the the aspect of that that makes it the most lethal is the penetrate anything aspect? Whatever you hit, which you cannot predict, it must be able to go through, period. The highest percentage chance that it will go through whatever you hit. Okay. And we achieve that with? You achieve that first with the broadhead that you have put on the front of your arrow platform. So it can't bend, it can't break, and the blades can't chatter, and they can't look like a cheese grater when they're done. They can't, they cannot bend. In all the testing that we've done, so we're testing with the foundation with compounds now. Everybody, the big knock on Ed is, oh, Ed was shooting a stick bow. They're slow, blah, blah, blah. Compounds are faster, blah, 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 blah. Newton's third law. I'm not going there with you guys, unless we get there. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hang on. So I'm making a point here about the broadheads. We have not bent an insert or had an arrow break when the broadhead didn't also fail. So if the broadhead bends, snaps, something happens to the broadhead, we start to see insert failures and arrows breaking. So familiar with those. You need to be thinking about why you're putting and what you're putting on the front of your broadhead or on the front of the arrow and then right behind that is the hardest thing in the world. The most effort is perfect arrow flight. Because if it's flying sideways and it's 700 grains and it has a tough head three to one on it, it's no good. It does, you, you're pissing up a rope. Okay. So I'm, I'm actually, uh, I wasn't expecting you to say that. So you're saying good. the most important thing is that your arrow is flying straight and true. Is more important than how heavy it is and what broadhead is on the end of it it's a combination of all of those things but if you don't have great arrow flight you are screwed yeah it just you cannot solve sideways and i, I that's why we have the test kits on, on, with Sirius. i want you to find the heaviest setup that will fly and i bet 95 percent of the arrow systems we sell thousands of them a year are between 525 and 600 grains. That just seems to fly. Like when people yeah. bear shaft, it's already got a hundred grain insert in it. So it's already gonna be 500. Yeah. I'm not messing around. I'm not shooting a low, low mass projectile. That's just not good physics. But, no, oh man, I don't know a lot. I bet it's 10% of the people out there are shooting 650 or more. 
Yeah, now, the people that are are doing some awesome things. <laughs> but I know a handful of people that are shooting that that heavy. Personally, like I I tried to go real heavy, mm-hmm. uh, and well, let me preface when I say real heavy, I, I mean real heavy from your earlier videos. Mm-hmm. When you were, I think you were preaching like I think it was if you get above 550, you're doing mm-hmm. it. But then, but then later on, you started going into much heavier stuff. And then you were like, you got to get above 600. And then you're like, you know, getting into some really crazy penetration. I have, I have some videos on the really heavy stuff. And I have an African game build and all that stuff. Because you for K-Buffalo, you really should be shooting 800 grains or more. But overall, if I can get people to put a 100-grain insert in and put 125 to 150 grain broadhead get somewhere around 550 in perfect flight for deer hunting you're going to see amazing things you're going to see arrows go through deer like they're not there like sparks when it hits yeah. rocks it's got so much more so much momentum left it just goes through them like butter and i just i'm a progressive person in the way i think so nobody generally jumps you don't go from a push button to a freaking level line and learn to skip a jig tomorrow. You might pick up a spinning rod and learn to do it, and then you start screwing around. So the people I know who have shot 550 now are going to 650. Well, yeah, I think I think that's an important progression to make because sure. I think if you jump too fast, then it's – like for me, like I went from like, you know, four – 20 like 450 whatever like you know whatever they sell you at bass pro Mm -hmm. i went straight to it was like 595 so i was pretty close Ah, what a great arrow so i was i just gotten out of shoulder surgery so i was shooting 52 pound draw Mm -hmm. and my arrows were doing like 205 feet Mm -hmm. per second and i just i couldn't get comfortable with how much drop there was and and that's part of like one of ashby's rules is right is like like go as heavy as you can like to where the trajectory of the arrow is like acceptable for you and for me that it was too much um and so, so I, I need to i need to make a clarification on that because there's been a couple of videos on that particular thing and saying ed's a liar and ed, ed's talking out of both sides of his mouth <clears throat> that does not eliminate the fact that in the study single bevel three to one 650 plus perfect arrow flight structural integrity high four to center was not the highest performing projectile back to my comment are you shooting the most lethal projectile you can shoot that is acceptable for you right so those two things have to be separated ed will tell you i he lives four hours from me i talk to him all the time he will tell you, yes, please do shoot the best flying, heaviest projectile for the trajectory that you find acceptable. Got it. However, that does not mean that in the testing that the 650 plus perfect flight high forward to center arrow is the highest performing thing, no matter what you hit. So that's, that's the clarification. I've talked to him about that and he's like, yeah, that's, obvious right we have a test we have the gold standard and back to what i was saying if you can get 560 to fly perfect and shoot a cut on contact broadhead <coughs> and 625 won't fly shoot 520 five, 
60. Yeah. Because you're going to be oh, accurate. Even, you're going to be accurate. You're going to have a good arrow. I mean, even like I think, I think just adopting any of those uh, those traits or factors in your arrows is going to help you. Like absolutely. Like I'm shooting a 500. You know, it's not the it's not the lightest that the arrow can be, but it's also not. It's definitely not a heavy arrow by any means. Do you know but, why your arrows are penetrating so well on deer? Because they're tiny deer. That helps, but <laughs> apparently this is a comparative analysis to your previous experience. I don't know the answer that you're looking. Did you shoot through? Did you shoot through everything before, or have that kind of crazy penetration and stuff? Um. So when I was shooting big uh, expandables, I did get pass-throughs. Um, I, I can honest. Well, there was there was a year there where I hunted with a crossbow, so we won't count those. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was getting pass-throughs with my lighter arrows too, but but it also depends on where you hit them you know, like, and what you're yeah. hitting. And so with all those shots before I, I was getting lucky and putting it right through the ribs, you know, and that's yeah. all I was encountering was ribs. Uh-huh. Now I shot a hog the other day. Um, and I, 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 I drilled him right in the shoulder blade with an expandable. Mm-hmm. That was the only time I've shot something with an expandable after my single bevel experience. Mm-hmm. It, it got two inches of penetration. Yep. Watched him run 300 yards. Yep. Yep. And I swear, was, I swear he was laughing at me. Well, they're just not built for mechanical broadheads. They're pretty durable critters. The, the yeah. change you've made is you put a super efficient platform on the front of your stick, and you have increased the capability of that particular arrow to penetrate. He's shooting that single bevel and no resistance kind of platform. The deer don't run off. They don't, they're not scared kind of thing. Well, that's, and then, that's the that's the kind of the progressive thing I'm talking about. If you went from a, if you were shooting muzzies or a punch point, multi blade broadhead, and all you did was grab a stinger, buzz cut with little tiny bleeder blades on it, that's cut on contact, same weight, you're going to increase your penetration capability just because that broadhead is much more efficient. It cuts its way in. It doesn't have a punch point. Super thin. Choo. So you just remind you reminded me of something I wanted to ask you about. So mm-hmm. you brought up the bleeder blades, um, and we were talking about arrow flight. So I'm actually I'm, I'm dealing with a problem right now. My bow, I just cannot, cannot get single bevels to fly right out of this bow. What's your what's your arrow spine? Uh, Three hundred. Yeah, like the, the weird thing is, like I'll paper tune. I'll, I'll bear shaft paper tune and I'll do it with fletchings just cause I like to just do everything. Um, it, even bear shafting at like three yards back, I'm getting mm-hmm. bullet holes. And I mean, when I'm, when I'm shooting with a field point, you know, when I'm shooting 70, 80 yards away from my target, you can watch the flight and you can, you can really kind of tell when your arrow kicks out to the side, when you're shooting at that distance, it's mm-hmm. flying beautifully. And I put that single bevel on there and I'm hitting three, four inches low. And I just cannot, it's driving me insane because I'm using. Oh, it's, oh they're good. hitting low? Well, here's, I was hitting low, but then I rotated my knock quarter inch and then I was hitting high and left. And yeah, that's because you're changing the, the dynamic spine. Um, you should expect beyond 40 that your broadheads would hit low. Why? They're not aerodynamic. 
No, but I'm talking even 30 yards. Mm-hmm. I was hitting a bit low, 40 yards lower. Right, but if they're if they're already taking off a little bit less aerodynamic, then it's just going to walk all the way out. I'm yeah. going to do a video on this later. So I get that, but I've I've shot I like in my my previous bow setup. This is a relatively new bow setup. Oh, mm-hmm. and I could shoot. You could throw any broadhead you wanted on my my arrows, and they would all fly the same. Shoot a different broadhead and see if it does the same thing. Like a different fix, and yeah, I I just I just ordered some more because I, I switched to heavier broadheads this year, so now I need to because mm-hmm. I have a crap load of hundred grainers. Mm, I'm sorry, but I don't I don't have a lot of like I don't have a lot of uh, heavier ones, so I, I just ordered some more to try that out. But but anyway, so um, it made me think about a video I watched of yours, and it was with um, what do you call the the mad scientist? What do you call with him? Uh, Rocket, Rocket Man? Rocket Man, you guys were talking about um, three blade versus two blade and how a uh, three blade stabilizes better in flight and then a two blade. Theoretically. Uh, theoretically. I mean, have you ever seen like actual evidence that that is the case? Because I kind of nope. started wondering, I was like, well, maybe if I had a single bevel that had bleeders on it, it would stabilize better. No. So broadheads don't stabilize. Um your arrow, your arrow is the stable concept. I'm going to show you something that, that everybody watching this, your brain's about to smoke. So just chill out because I'm that dude. <clears throat> I have an arrow that I use for presentations and talks. Let's see, where's the camera? That's the front. Okay. You know what those are? Fletchings. We're looking at a field point with three fletchings right behind it. On the front of the arrow. On the front of the arrow. And on the back of the arrow, we got it's four fletched. Yeah. That doesn't matter. It has fletchings. Yeah. Yeah. Should that fly? In theory. It should. You know what this is? A fixed it's, blade broadhead. Yeah, it's basically a fixed blade broadhead, except it's lighter. No. It's the drag. Yeah. It's the lift, lifting mechanism. Without these on here, it's just the field point. You've and added this resistance, but this makes more sense to regular people than a broadhead. That is a fixed blade broadhead. I mean, it's pers- outrageously big. I get it because they're three and yeah. two and a half inch fletchings. Have you shot but, that thing? No, I'm going to do it, but. This is what a fixed blade broadhead, if you understand whatever you think these do, and I'm showing the fletching in a, of the shaft, whatever you think fletchings do, your broadhead a, a broadhead does the same thing on the front. Yeah. And that brings Most up- Most people a misunderstand what they do, but that doesn't matter. So- So you want to- That should back. fly, right? That should fly. Yeah, it should. Right, because it's a fixed blade broadhead. So this is a lifting mechanism. In airplanes, airplanes go up and down. Let's hope they don't go sideways because it makes you throw up and scares the hell out of everybody riding on an airplane. Okay? So, but your arrows are rotating because you should have some helical. And they are bending. The shaft is constantly bending up and down like a noodle flying in the air. And it's rotating. So the term lift is a term from planes 
but it is it is a corresponding meaning for the way that the pressure affects the object in flight and our object could lift up or down or sideways it can lift 360 degrees because it's not a side winged object like an airplane it's winged on the front with a fixed blade broadhead it's winged on the back by the flat and they're going like that flying down the air and it's a fight if this outlifts the if the point and the broadhead outlifts the fletchings it'll fly like crazy so that's kind of the point that i was getting at and mm -hmm. i think that that is the reason that my bow isn't shooting right but then again i did the the paper tune and it shows the arrows are flying straight but it got me to thinking okay so just follow my train of thought here 300 spine 62 pounds 20 and a half that should you should be spine just about right how much is it up front 100 and, you got 100 what there's like a 100 100 the 175 uh yeah 175 up front well how heavy is it broadhead 150 it's a no 125 and a 50 grain insert Man, you might be right on the edge of spine. Is it a really fast, aggressive bow? No. No, I'm only shooting. I'm only shooting 64 pounds. Yeah, but I mean, if you get a if you get like a five, six inch brace height, super fast, big wheeled thing that's really a screamer versus like the bear adapt that the hunting public guys are shooting. That's just super lovely to shoot, but it's not a screamer. Then 62 pounds is not 64 pounds. It's not I'm the getting, same pounds. I think I'm getting two. 82 or something like that that's then that bows fast or 270 oh 272 sorry okay you have any 250s uh no but i could get some do you have lighter broadheads do you have a 100 grain helix i have plenty of 100 grains yeah I have shoot, 100 the, grain helix. shoot the 100 grain helix and see if it flies if it does if it, <sighs> if it behaves then you, you're just on the edge of spine and you're just a little out bending the arrow most likely. Huh. I hadn't even thought about that. Correct. So, so somewhere right around 64, 65 pounds, yeah. 300s start to misbehave a little bit. I tried this. The reason why I'm going here is I tried this. So I was trying to max my FOC, but yet stay in the 570s just to try it. Yeah. So one way to max forward to center is to lower the grain, get the lightest shaft you can possibly shoot, meaning physically heavy. Yeah. I know a 340 wouldn't fly. So I went from a, my normal 250 down to a 300. I got it to bullet hole on paper with field points. It shot great with field points and it was weird with broadheads. It wasn't wild. It wasn't crazy. It was just like every third arrow would be a little weird. No, I'm consistent. Like, I'm consistent with it. It's mm -hmm. just consistently not where I'm aiming. Yeah. Like low it, doesn't bother me as low doesn't bother me as much as left and right and big circle, you know. Yeah. That's bad. If it's just well, low. Yeah. We can we can dive into that more off the podcast because like, okay. 
I know you do that a lot, and that might be a, a well. Good, there's a lot of people different. doing the same thing, so there's a lot of people, people you just don't know it. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of people are hitting you up when they're struggling with tuning issues, and and you're a, you thou- know, a thousand messages a month. I might add. Yeah, and and you it's a lot, and you tend to answer most of them. Like you're, I you're answer all of them. So like, um, <clears throat> if you're having problems getting your bow shooting right, shoot him a message. He might take a little bit to get to you, but he will get to you. So yeah, just um, hit me on Instagram at Ranchberry. You'll be, you'll, it'll be fine. Anyway, um, so, so I got, you, you wanted devil's advocate. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I'll give you devil's advocate. Okay. So, um, let's say you put your fixed blade on your arrow and you've got your bow shooting perfect. It's, you know, paper tuning perfect. Everything's flying perfect. When you're practicing, it's all good. Then you factor in buck fever and yep. your form kind of starts to go to shit. You know, you, yep. maybe you don't anchor quite right. Maybe you uh, don't pull through your shot. Um, you know, something goes wrong. And when that arrow leaves your bow, it's not shooting as perfectly straight as it does when you practice, right? Is this because you're human? Yes. This, is, be- this is because you're human. Okay. Uh, in that situation... Would you maybe agree that having a mechanical would be beneficial because uh, they're more forgiving in terms of what way? Because you don't have the fletchings on the front of your arrow. But you, but you, so you're saying that this individual, whoever they are, they paper tuned, they shot their broadheads, they were flying fine when they were on the on the practice tee. Everybody's good until you get to the first tee and people are watching it and they hack one off in the woods, right? So that's kind of the situation we're here. Yeah. On practice tee, everything was fine. And the broadheads were flying accurately. Yeah. Okay, so then you went in the woods and you became a human because it's exciting, or we wouldn't do it. Yeah. And then you shot. It's like chasing girls. Wow. It can be real exciting, and then they yell at you, and it can be real exciting. Yeah. So um, which way is the arrow going to go? Is it going to go forward, or is it going to go back? Forward. No, no. Tell me which way, if you can tell me which way the arrow is going to go every single time when they make a mistake, I can answer your question. Oh, well, they, well, that's the thing. You don't know. Right. So what if it goes forward? What do you mean forward? Okay, let's say the deer's broadside facing left. Okay. So it goes and left. the arrow goes left. Yeah. But so if, if, you have, if you have a fixed blade on the end, right? And your arrow comes out of the bow, faces yep. slightly, faces slightly left. It's probably going to go left because or you, you know, have, or you just pull the shot or try to sneak around yeah, the pins you, or whatever. Exactly. Right? Well, something goes funny where your arrow doesn't come out of your bow straight. Okay. Now, if you have a field point on the end, chances are that it'll kind of right itself in flight, and you're not going to miss as bad as if you had fletchings on the front of your arrow right because the arrow oh you yeah so you, 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 think that the per, you think the perfectly tuned bow is going to come out of tune because of you exactly i haven't experienced that I've i pulled shots and i've had the arrow fly good i've had animals move and i've had the fly arrow fly good like i i know i can i can get my paper out and i can shoot um like just by positioning my hand a certain way, I can make that thing do bullet holes and then change. Yeah, you can. 
my hand you torque it out. And, and it'll make it not shoot perfect, which means you can do that if you have a broadhead on the end. Now, if you have a broadhead on the end, now your arrow's coming out slightly sideways. Mm-hmm. With that broadhead, it's going to be a lot less forgiving in the mistake that you just made than if you have a field point or, say, a mechanical. Mm-hmm. Do you follow my logic? Yeah, I do. It depends on if you hit the bones or not. Yeah. So if you pull the shot forward, you're better off with a fixed blade. If your gut shoot them, you're better off with a mechanical. I'll give you that. Yeah. So so okay. it's, there's a it's a it's a it's two hemispheres. I just right? I just I just want to I just want to take note of the fact that the ranch fairy just said that there is a situation in which the mechanical might be better. A pure gut shot, yeah, you're probably <laughs> better off because there's no vasculature back there. Yeah. And it's super soft, and there's nothing in the way, and they make huge holes in the guts. So if you're, say, going to pl- if you're planning to gut shoot one, shoot I a will, mechanical. I will say this. I have never not recovered a gut shot deer. I've gut sh- I don't know if I've gut shot one, honestly. I've hit a lot high. Yeah. I have but gut- I haven't. I don't, I, haven't, I don't know. My friend of mine gut shot. He hit the side of a pit blind a tent pit blind in Africa with a rage. It deployed in the air. It did a huge loop and went through the guts of a, uh, the hell did he shoot? It was an Impala. I think it was an Impala. Didn't matter. The thing went 400 yards and tipped over and the hole in that thing was awful. I mean, the guts were hanging out of it. Yeah. we've actually- but he, hit the, he hit the side of the blind and got lucky because he said it went three feet in the air and it came down and went right through the middle of it. Wow. I mean, it just, that's, I mean. Yeah, if you can get the guts to fall out, you're usually in pretty good shape. Because I, yeah, I it's easy. It's a pretty easy tracking when the intestines are down the trail. It's, you yeah. just grab the intestines and just reel them in. Just, just start well, they, pulling. And when it locks just, up, you drag them up. They really just don't go far when everything starts falling out. I remember uh, um, the, the co co-owner of our youtube channel he's not here obviously danny he shot one of a, a buck a few years back and he hit real low um mm-hmm. in the guts and it just mm-hmm. sliced open the belly and just everything just fell everything out fell out yeah and yeah. it didn't go 30 yards but yeah, he, sure. didn't, he didn't hit vitals like yeah but it does so much internal damage when the yeah. stuff pulls i mean it's there's all kind of arteries and stuff hooked up to that the the counter argument to that is if it goes to the front you're screwed. You pull the shot forward where the vital organs actually are. All right. More more devil's advocate. Okay. Go for it. All right. First, before we before I ask this question, can you explain to me why it is that you're so against mechanicals? Like what are the things about mechanicals that make them so bad in your mind? So outside of a perfectly 90 degree hit. Okay, a perfectly broadside shot where the blades deploy evenly. Outside of that, when you shoot it with any angle at all, the blades are not going to deploy equally. When it hits on a quartering shot, if it's a two-blade brand X, I don't care which one it is. Whatever deploys the blade on the inside is going to start deploying. The other side has not hit yet. It starts to advance, the blade deploys, then the other one deploys against the air. And the back of the arrow 
go sideways. They do. They cannot yeah, physically yeah. deploy. Oh, like that. I see what you're saying. No, there isn't a mechanical broadhead on Earth that can that can overcome this. Yeah. Well, take a take a take a mechanical, put it in at a 45 degree angle in your target, and push it in. Watch it. And then raise that to 270 feet per second, where the pressures gain exponential amounts of increase. The only thing that can possibly happen when that broadhead, the bl one blade deploys and the other one's still sitting there and then the other one deploys, they didn't deploy evenly. The ass end of the arrow is going to wobble around. So you're saying like, stand up, deer, arrow, and it's going to do that. Sure, of course. Do it. Just go grab a mechanical, go to your target. Everybody listening to me, if you shoot mechanicals, go to your target, put it in an angle, and watch some blades deploy. It could be a three-blade, whatever, and the other ones won't because it has to hit the high, generally speaking, in some deployment mechanism, and they're not going to deploy consistently. So that's why I said outside of a perfectly broadside hit where they, they both deploy at the same time, which would be the most efficient strategy, you are talking about a disaster for penetration. The energy is going to go somewhere, man. Second, the blades, generally speaking, are garbage. There's a couple of them out there that are doing okay on it. But we talked about this earlier. You generally see blades that are shredded up, bent. They're warped, kind of weird curves. Mm -hmm. And third is the angle that they attack. So when you cut a steak, do you take your knife and put it on top of the steak and bang it on the back with a hammer? Or do you cut with it? You cut. Right. The blade angles for mechanical broadheads are very wide and abrupt, and it's more like a forcing motion. I say, I say this all the time because I think it's fun. In the war movies with swords – you never see some asshat holding on to the handle and the point of the sword and running forward and slamming it into people. That is what mechanical broadheads do. Pretty much. That angle of attack is like shooting a parachute at them. Now, I will say, though, there are mechanicals that, that don't use that. I mean, like when you're talking about like a rage, like the rage hypodermic or something, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like flat. Yeah. You know, or mm -hmm. uh, there's... Uh, and I hate to say this because I do really like um, the the Crimson Talon um, Cleaver is basically their uh, it's it's like a ripoff of the um, Maasai. Mm -hmm. Have you seen you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's a it's a nice head. They sent it to me. It's a nice head. Yeah, and um, so I really like that broadhead, but they have mm -hmm. a mechanical, and I've I've told the owner this. Uh, the design it's like the the blades are like this. So they're like the angle of attack at the front is like flat and then it gets better as you go. And it's like, I told him, I was like, this is literally the opposite of what you want. If you absolutely have to have a blade that changes the, like the angle, the it goes sure. the other way around. So it goes like that, you know, not like that. And, and for I just wish somebody would make one with an angle of attack like this. Yeah. So, um, well, I don't think they're, they're not going to be as good as the, tough head i don't know what the angle of attack on the tough head is i'm sure you do 
But um, so Grim Reaper makes them where it's a 40 degree. Um, and That's still really flat. I mean, you're still talking about chopping a steak with a hammer, hitting it on the back. It's not the approach angle for the blades to cut box right there. is more of a, it's like a forward force. Like a, like I said, like a guy running with a sword, holding the handle and running and slamming it into people. I, I have, I just happen to have one here. So I'm going to show you if I can find it. Here we go. So this is, for those of you that are listening, I'm sorry, but where's the camera? There's the camera. So that's the, the angle or the... Yeah, that's not, that's not terrible, except for when you hit a bone with that big-ass point, it's going to bend over like a banana. Well, I don't know, man, because these are the fatal steels, and they're made of all steel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, well, they're super it's long it's, and skinny. It's definitely nothing like, you know, the Strickland Helix, which is like... Which, honestly, I feel like the Strickland Helix is, like, too pointy, because you've, you've said you've had experiences where this point will curl up like a banana peel. Well, I have experience shooting 300 grain broadheads a lot, or field points, and they're long, and I bend them all the time. Oh, really? Steel 300 grain field points are long. Um, they're two and a half inches long. And they bend all the time. Uh, when you hit random, moderately not hard things, the, the thing, it just levers over because it's so long. Like, it's really way out in front of the shaft, right? It's way out in front of the insert. Yeah. So so um, let, me, let me ask you this. What if a company were to make – a mechanical broadhead that wasn't a flimsy piece of crap. Like what if they made one that had like heavy blades, we're talking like a two or 300 grain, um, you know, heavy duty mechanical um, that had a better angle of attack. Um, so that way you, you would get a lot of the, the traits in a broadhead that you like. Mm -hmm. You also get that more forgiving flight. Somebody would, will do it. Would you consider? I, I've, I've said this to on a few podcasts. Somebody's going to figure that crap out, and it's going to be awesome because it will help people. I'm not denying that the mechanical broadheads are a cheap way to make an arrow fly. They are pretty aerodynamic compared to a fixed blade broadhead. It just means you're lazy, but it's 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 good for the sport. For who don't want to right. But it's for people who don't want to commit and really don't care about their arrow flight that much. They just think they're going to hit a deer, and that's fine. There's a ton of people like that. They're not my audience. It's okay. One of these days, you're going to shoot two or three of them, and you're going to be upset and say, well, maybe I'll to listen to this idiot at the ranch ferry. It'll be fine. I'm, it's future customers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, somebody will figure it out. Yeah. But I haven't seen it yet. There's, I mean, a either. Of, there's a couple of Macs I've been sent that are close. There's a couple of guys making broadheads. They say that they go around the bones. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, I know exactly I got, the one you're talking about because I, I literally, got one of those broadheads and I, I took put, it and I put two pieces of PVC up like this and I stuck the point between it and guess what? Both blades deployed, and both blades bonked on the on the ribs. They opened up at the same time. They didn't move around. They can't. There's two objects. The point went between the blades deployed. They don't rotate because this can't rotate out of the way of this one. So remember, they always uh, show videos of it hitting one object and the blades rotate. Of course, there's a trouble here. The number 13. Ribs. There's 13 ribs. They so, are uh, about an inch apart. <laughs> so, remember that 
Remember that hog I was telling you about? I shot a couple weeks ago where I just yeah. drilled it into the shoulder and it got two inches of penetration. Mm-hmm. Guess what broadhead I was using? That was was it one of the magical broadheads? It goes around the bones. It was one of those magical broadheads. The problem is there wasn't any bone to go around. It was a wall of bone. Right. So it doesn't so. go around walls. It doesn't go around thick stuff. And I mean, it not go around tube ribs sitting like that. I honestly, I, I didn't get that broadhead because of its magical ability to go around bones. I, I got it because uh, you, you can't deny that for being a mechanical broadhead, they use really good materials. No, they do. They and, really do. It's and probably I, the closest thing out there. I'll and I will that, say I, their videos are bullshit on their video. I saw their video of one round thing and it going through gel or something and the blades rotate. I got it. There's, yeah. there's 12 more ribs. That's the first well, thing. My head almost exploded. I was like, every, are we just going to avoid physiology here? Are we just going to avoid that? It's ridiculous. But, um, you know, I, I will say this about it. I, I got that broadhead back. I have it somewhere around here. And that broad, those blades were still razor sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, even after going basically straight into a wall of pig bone. And mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the blades was ever so slightly bent, but the mm-hmm. ferrule of the broadhead was perfectly straight. I put it on a new arrow. My, the, the insert of my arrow actually bent just a little bit, but the, the, the broadhead itself was perfectly straight. The, the blades were sharp. And one of the blades was slightly bent. So I thought that hey, was pretty good. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier in 10 seconds. What? Are you shooting the most lethal platform that you possibly can to go through whatever well, you hit? And that's the point. Because, <laughs> like, you were talking earlier about how you went back after you shot, you know, yeah. like. I wasn't convinced. Head. You weren't convinced. That's, that's before the channel. Yeah. That was pretty much me going back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and. The first thing I shot, I did not have a great outcome. So it was exa- it's exactly the same story as me. I was like not convinced. I had these arrows over here. I was like, those are the babies that always work or work most of the time. I'm gonna try this crap. No, I'm gonna try that crap, and that was the end of it. I mean, I just we've rolled so many of them. We're starting to get more and more aggressive and intentionally shooting offside shoulder blades and trying to break their shoulders. We're really trying to turn them into three wheelers. That sounds arrogant as hell, but. If you can get that arrow to go through and break the offside shoulder and they turn into a three-wheeler and the arrow passes through, there's one less thing working on them, a yeah. whole leg. My son's testing where Magnus and I, or Magnus is coming out with a single bevel, and we Ooh. did the pretest on it. And they'll be out here in another six weeks or so. And he shot this pig. It was only about a 500 and about a 100-pound pig, but about a 530-grain arrow. It wasn't super heavy. 150 grain single bevel. He hit it right in the humerus ball. The humerus ball exploded. The humerus end of it exploded. It had cut the shoulder blade off and penetrated 12 inches beyond that. Wow. The video wow. is awesome. I got video of me with fragments of bones in my hands. It showed the, the scapula was cut completely off of the humerus. And it just kept, you know, it didn't pass through. And I think it wasn't heavy enough. I think it would have been 650. It would have gone on through, but yeah. the pig went 40 yards because it, it, the bone exploded. It's it was one of the more impressive breaks I've seen. Wow! Right. I have more devil's advocate for you. We're talking mechanical advantage, an angle of attack, 
whatever you want to call it, same thing. Okay. Sure. Um, so, uh, a lower angle of attack. You got your long broadhead. Do you happen to have a? Do you have an example of a uh, a long a long broadhead and a short broadhead? Do you have a short one? Yep. Not that anybody listening to the podcast is going to see this, but um, just so to, I got a broadhead that's like three inches long and one inch wide. Yeah. And then I've got kind of this is our 150 grain tough head. All right, perfect. So a little shorter and blunter. What are some of the forces that affect penetration or deceleration of an arrow? Newton's third law. Let's get into it. Every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm actually going to go back to Mex on this, too. I did a whole video on this. We're only running 70 to 90 foot-pounds of kinetic energy for the average dude shooting an average bow. 265 or 70 pounds okay that's all you got we're not talking 2900 foot pounds like a bullet that's a little different to the tune of about you know 100 percent bigger so a little less than that you need to be able to use that limited amount of energy the most efficient you can to keep the arrow moving forward so the the lower the approach angle, like that's why they make wheelchair ramps long, because you well, can it's less effort over distance. Right. But okay. what are what yeah. are the forces that act against the like what decelerates an arrow? The animals, whatever you hit on the animal, will push back at an exactly equivalent amount of pressure that you put on it. Newton's third law. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So if the arrow's flying sideways, you got a problem because it hits and goes sideways. Okay, let's assume it's flying right, hits pretty clean. Whatever, however, the amount of force. So between the ribs is real soft, that's no force at all. Like that's where a mechanical or some other thinner broadhead would perform the highest. Dead center of rib, exponentially different. Edge of the shoulder blade plus the meat on the shoulder, exponentially greater again. So you need, those are the forces pushing back at an equivalent amount of pressure that you're putting on them. The less amount of pressure we can put on them, the, 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 the angle of attack, the narrower and longer they are, and the sharper actually, um, uses that very limited pressure or energy that you have more efficiently to keep the arrow moving forward. It doesn't push back as hard because those broadheads just cut right in and keep going. So what about drag? drag? What about what? Drag forces. Like sure. So yeah. the drag, hello dogs. So the drag equation squares for every foot the faster you go. Text them and tell them to hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> they just got home and the dogs are going crazy. <laughs> yeah. So the drag of the arrow increases to the tune of velocity squared in the right. air and on the meat. So, so if you go two if you go two times faster, it's four times the drag. Right. So exponentially increasing drag the faster an arrow goes. So the slower an arrow goes, <coughs> the less drag you're dealing with. And one way to make an arrow 
lower <coughs> is more weight, right? Well, those are two separate things. So if you shoot 40 pounds, you're shooting a slow arrow. You can't get past right. that, right? Right, but uh, assuming if you, if you if it slows down for the trade-off of mass, you've changed the equation. Yeah. So you've added a bunch of mass and you've slowed down. So, so I'm going to throw a mechanical broadhead argument at you. I did a whole video on this. We can all agree, at least most of us, that I said 70 to 90 foot-pounds of kinetic energy is kind of the average area that most people launch in an arrow, and it's usually in the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. And then really have really fast bows get up there and get to book it. The mechanical broadhead companies publish on their websites a rec- you know, recommended KE. 45, and I've seen this high as 70. Yeah. And that is on websites and in marketing literature. If you're shooting, if you need 50 pounds of kinetic energy per the manufacturer's recommendation, and you're only shooting 75 foot-pounds, which is pretty common, how much? How many foot-pounds do you have left to advance the arrow? 20. 25. Well, you, at the register, at the register, when you gave them your money, you gave up. 68% of your kinetic energy per the manufacturers. Well, I don't know if that's I don't know really if it's the, right. I don't know if that's really what that number means though, because isn't the recommend- Hey, whoa, whoa, that's, that's outstanding. I want your brain to be smoking right now because they publish it, not me. I'm not, I didn't make that up. I, well, I don't sure, know but- what it means. I don't know what it means. Well, yeah, only they know what it means. But I would, I would hope let me just let me just say this. I would hope that what that number, that recommended number means is based on like some percentage of kinetic energy lost that they are okay with that's still gonna get you a pass through. You know what I mean? Like I, I would hope that that's what it's based on. And so, so with that, given a given like, a semi given given a semi infinite target of unpredictable nature and not knowing what you're gonna hit. Okay? Yeah, sure. Shit in one hand and wish in the other. They say 50 foot pounds of kinetic energy, and you only shoot in 75. Right. At the register, you gave up 60 or 70% of your kinetic energy because you brought mechanicals. Or, yeah, or you drilled it right into the bone and you just dumped most of your kinetic energy. Well, they're just too wide for bone. That's, yeah. out, of, that's out of the question. They, oh, they de- the way they deploy and stuff, you're going to have a hard time. It's just too much to do, right? So outside of bone... Outside of bone, let's say you hit them okay, normal. Mm-hmm. You've given up almost 65% of your kinetic energy because you're shooting to a mechanical broadhead. So that's where the angle of attack thing starts to kind of, you know, you start scratching your head and going, hmm, if I could find something that would use 10 pounds of kinetic energy to penetrate, then I would have 60 foot-pounds to keep going. Right. And then if you hit a shoulder blade, and let's say it, it, it requires double that, let's say it takes 20, you still have 50 to go. You still yeah. have 50 to keep it moving, right? So that was, I, I don't remember when I connected the dots on that, but it was terrifying. So let me- um, and I, don't, I don't publish that data. I'm not, I'm not even making that up. Just go to their websites and say, how much kinetic energy is required? Every one of them will say, oh yeah, this, that, this, that. We recommend yeah. this, that, this, that. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing is like, it's a recommendation 
without like the they're, they're not telling you what the assumptions are that go with that 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 number you know i had i've been on a couple of podcasts with some pretty high level pros who are big freaking stompers with the mechanicals and all that crap and they say it's a deploy number and that's terrifying yeah. What like that's heard. that's the number you that need takes, to get it to deploy properly. That's what I've always heard. God, that's awful. That means that at the skin, you've dumped sixty or seventy percent of your kinetic energy at the skin. Yeah. So here's my here's my intellectual honesty. How in the hell they pass through all the time? We can't deny that. Yeah. So I don't think they know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great question. It's it's kind of kind of makes me want to get like a somebody from Rage or something on this podcast asking these. You questions. need to ask them that question because I don't know what it means, and I'm like I said, I'm not such a freaking home guy that I can't. I, I I've done it. I shot completely through a couple things with Rages. You know, I'm talking like you know arrows thirty yards past them kind of stuff. Yeah, and then the next one stops like goes in you know seven inches, and I it doesn't. Yeah. It's inc- super inconsistent, right? So I, I'm not going to say they don't ever pass through. We know millions of animals are killing them every year. I got that. I'm just telling you, if those numbers are correct, and that's because of the angle of attack, which it is, because the blaze is like a parachute when they open up. First of all, I don't know what the hell it means. Second, you're giving up 60 or 70% of your kinetic energy at the register? Really? I mean, if we're shooting twenty five hundred foot pounds, fine. It's a, right? it's a really You're interesting not. question, and and I want to I want to talk more about this with you off the podcast because I actually I have an idea for an experiment we could do to actually test how much energy it actually takes to open these broadheads. But anyway, let me give let me get back to this uh, devil's advocate um, okay. direction that I was going. Okay, so so we were talking about drag, and that the faster an arrow goes, uh, the more drag. Uh, is on it right and and at some point when you slow down your arrow drag starts to play less of a role right and if you trade if you trade off mass right if you just if if you're if you're shooting a 400 grain arrow and you're and you're pulling 40 pounds you're slow and light yeah you're okay, slow so and don't, light. don't let's not get tripped up there and then you get the worst of both worlds uh um, well there's people so, who have to do it so it so is what it is, right? mechanical <laughs> advantage um, is basically, uh, I, I'm going to try and say this. You're probably going to correct me, but uh, mechanical oh, advantage is, is, is most advantageous when you're having to pass through a denser medium, right? When you're when absolutely you're, right. Anything flies in the air. Yeah. When you're going through bone or you're going through some like really thick muscle or something, that mechanical advantage is going to be better. Right. Right. But a blade that has a better mechanical advantage, right, big, long, flat mm-hmm. thing, is going to have mm-hmm. higher surface area. And surface area means more drag, right? Not in the sense of what you're talking about, but I know where you're going with this. Okay, go ahead. We'll, well, we'll stay on that track. Mm-hmm. Typically, like, when you're calculating drag, you, you use what's called a Reynolds number. Um, mm-hmm. and I only know this because I'm a marine biologist and, and plankton. Good. We deal with Reynolds yep. numbers for plankton. You can calculate their drag based on like the amount of surface area that they have um, versus their mass. Now, sure. you're going to have a, a 
I think it's a higher Reynolds number when you have higher surface area. Um, yes. But of course, drag also depends on velocity. So how do we know at which speed that surface area no longer, like that the higher surface area, which creates more drag, is outweighed by the more drag created by speed. If I don't know if I yeah that that would be I don't know how to get there. I do know this. These are the things um, that go on in my mind. Right, I think about this stuff too. This is the best shooting broadhead I've ever shot. That long, skinny, aerodynamic, bullet-shaped three-to-one broadhead shoots like a laser. It's when I get shorter, more abrupt you know, more like that uh -huh. that I see people getting because it's shorter and more abrupt. Right. So it's more oh. dragging. But this thing's more like a field point. These things shoot like when you tune out, I, my hunting arrows are 715 grains, 25%, and I shoot this broadhead. They shoot out to 40 like, I mean, they're just, they don't wiggle. They don't do nothing. They just go poof. Yeah. So they're freaking awesome. So you, you just said something that is, I think is backwards. You said the shorter one is more draggy. but Right, because the blades are more abrupt. So it's approaching the air like with a, more of an angle like this and pushing into it more. And that tough head's long and skinny like a, like a bullet. But I don't think that's really how drag works. Drag is more dependent on how much surface area you have. So technically, the longer one would have more drag. And flying through the air, I don't care. It's really weird. If you, it was flying sideways, yes. When you hit a viscous medium is when no, even if it's flying straight, it's it's the surface area that's going to create more drag. Well, right, you, but the tip of the broadhead is penetrating yeah. the air. So, you, so you, I guess I guess my drag and the aerodynamics are not exactly the same thing. I know. Well, so but the aerodynamics of that longer pony one are making up for the drag that you're speaking of. I don't think so. When it's going through a when it's going through a viscous medium, so like uh -huh. blood and tissues and all that stuff, uh -huh. right? Like, I guess my question is, do you think, like, like what is, if you take that long tough head, the three-inch blade, mm -hmm. at which speed does the extra drag that it creates outweigh the uh, mechanical advantage that it has on penetration? You're getting lost in the weeds because you're not realizing it's sharp. Well, and, and the reason I bring up this question is because there's a lot of these tests that have been done on say ballistics gel right and in the, <laughs> the worst thing on earth <laughs> we're gonna get there we're gonna get there but say ballistics test medium say ballistics gel there's a you know there's a reason people use ballistics gel is because it's repeatable um and you mean that yeah that stuff so when you shoot a saying. short when you shoot a shorter broadhead into ballistics gel it'll It'll penetrate further than that long broadhead will because that longer broadhead is going to have more drag. Right, because it's dragging because, on the edges of the broadhead, and it's not able to cut into gel. Well, and well. It's, and it's not it's not going through something hard. Now, if you were to put, let's say, uh, you know, a piece of wood in front of it and shoot both of them, I'd almost guarantee that that longer skinny one is going to penetrate better because it has that mechanical advantage going through something hard so the gel the gels and foam are a little bit challenging in that they are designed to slow things down and they stop everything via friction right 
So muscle tissue tends to pop away. From, it gets cut and opens. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't keep compressing. And have you messed with ballistic gel? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so you can hardly get the arrow out when you stick it in there. You have to like. You have to like. He-man them damn things out of there because they're so sticky inside. Yeah. So the mechanism that foam and gel use to stop but, things but is I thought, pure drag. I thought ballistic gel was supposed to be just like tissue. Uh, tell me anyone who's 12 inches thick. <laughs> I mean, most, I, I most, of deer, most of our deer I'm are on, I'm on steroids most of the time. I got big pectoral muscles. Look at them things. They're huge, right? <laughs> yeah. So my ballistic gel is about that thick. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a fair point. Well, I, I, I don't really know what the where the point is that I was going with this. I just feel like there is a speed at which uh, drag forces outweigh the mechanical advantage, and it's it's hard to tell what that speed is. And I guess the point is yeah, the cut the cutting piece is the part that's going to throw a wrench in the drag piece. So yeah. the the animals you're talking about are dragging around in the air. They're not cutting their way through the water. Yeah. Right. So we have an edge that's really sharp that's hitting tissues that pop away. Like your rib cage has tissues that are crossed over. When you inhale, one set tightens up and then it compresses your chest and the other set tightens up and that's how your chest wall moves back and forth. Right. Because they're webbed and across each other, when you hit the ribs, they tend to open. They tend to pop away because they're real tight in between, the inter in between it's called interstitial, interstitial tissue, in between the yeah. rib cage. They tend to actually pop open because they want, they're tight. They're like rubber bands. Yeah, and okay. So they get out of the way. Like they get hit and phew, all of a sudden there's nothing there. And then in between the rib cage, there's nothing. So it's air. That argument you just made is actually something similar to something that John Lusk had said, which is why he was mm -hmm. arguing for making a single, like a two blade cut as big as possible is better than a three blade cut because when you make a two blade cut, the the meat, like the the whole stretches open. Anyway, I, I'm just I'm just I'm just equating what you just said in a different way in my mind. Just yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm the the wide thing is probably beneficial if you hit them right and you don't hit anything real hard. But God, the arrow flight problems average people are going to have are going to be yeah. Ignore accuracy. Accuracy is the problem. The final topic I want to discuss. Testing right. mediums, right? So we just kind of touched on um, ballistic gel. You know, um, I've heard you say this in a number of videos. Uh, save the bricks. Yeah, save the bricks. Um, so, so, so John Lusk, uh, which we've also had on this podcast, he he likes to yep. test broadheads, and uh, the way he likes to do it is he wants to get a medium that is repeatable, something that's the same every single time, so that he can compare apples to apples with broadheads, but you like to do things a little bit differently. So you're shooting, you, your test medium is actual animals and, and you record. Imagine everything. that. You, yeah. you record like all the data, right? That like every that animal. Is all of it. Get demonetized. I get punished on my YouTube platform because of that. It's great. Um, I'm actually curious. Have you ever done any statistical analyses with your data? I don't do that shit. I'm, I just keep going. 
<laughs> I do know this. My monetization is down because of the necropsies and some of the stuff that I shouldn't put up. But it's yeah. so valuable to the bow hunting community. I'm not going to stop doing it. I don't care. Yeah, one thing you could but, do is uh, do a uh, a side video. We've done this before. Do a mm-hmm. do a little a little side video and put up a card, and then have the video where you do the necropsy that's mm-hmm. not monetized, but the rest of the video is. We'll we'll do that. Oh one. yeah, no, I started. I started. I used to do shoot necropsy and all of it. Now I do three separate videos, so I only have one that gets demonetized. Yeah. But let's go back to John Lusk and some of John the, a couple of other superhero there's one superhero bow hunter out there who's hunting me down he's a tough guy and he's testing in foam and his test results are absolutely freaking hilarious so and they're terribly erroneous total agenda but the problem with a consistent medium is you these guys are allowing people to believe that's what they're going to see when it hits an animal That is the general public. This is where the disconnect is. Apparently I'm the only damn person on earth who understands basic humanity. You're a marine biologist. Okay. John, what do you do? I'm a heavy equipment operator. (laughs) Kick ass. My son's a construction plumber. I love you guys because I am pretty good with wrenches, but none of it makes sense. And my son's like, get out of the way, dad. You know what you're doing. So I'm a sales guy with a respiratory therapist background. I used to be almost a, I was a terrifying skeet shooter. I can flat hit a five iron 210 if I want to and 195 if I cut it. I am a crazy fisherman. Okay. The skill set of the average people watching this content is all over the place. We've got a marine biologist. We've got Dorco here who thinks he's freaking king of everything. Heavy equipment operator. My son upstairs is a you know construction plumber. My daughter's an HR person. The way that everybody's brain approaches this data is completely different. Okay? Heavy equipment operator's just going to break some shit, get it heavier. That's <laughs> 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 with you, John. Uh, I'm just going to pick a wrench and make yeah. everything work. Right? So... I'm just kidding around. So when you put this data up, you have to realize the receiving audience has a varied skill set. we got brain surgeons out there, people who are great at math, coaches, that kind of thing. What is allowed to be believed is that what you see on these videos is going to happen in the field. So when you shoot a very consistent target and you get consistent results, You are only testing against that target. And then you let these people who, they don't give a damn. They just want to see some stuff, learn about it, and try to figure out what to shoot their deer with. Okay? So they say, well, so-and-so super bow hunter pro guy who's killed a 1,000 animals never missed and shoots them at 150 yards because that's the only way to do it because it's the only fair way to do it. Said... In this foam, the arrow mass didn't matter because all the arrows penetrated the same with a field point in foam or broadhead in, I don't know, cement board or gel. That's not the target. That's not the target. You're shooting the 
hair, mud, skin, tendons, bones, varying durability. They're, none of them are square. They're all bent and have crazy angles. They might jump the string. They are lubricated. When the broadhead hits them, they start bleeding. That helps your shaft keep moving. It's not dry. It's not sticky like a gel block. And they allow that to be, people just receive that and say, well, I should expect that when I hunt. They don't say it. I don't know that the testers are aware that they're misleading people. I don't think they but are. They are. They're accidentally doing it. Some of the guys are, I think Lusk is probably a pretty genuine dude. He is. He's, right? a, he's a really nice guy. I don't think he's a, out to get anybody. I just don't know if he's thinking about the fact that his message says, oh, that's what you're going to see when you go hunting. Sure. I, I get I get that uh, that idea. And, and I do agree that maybe it would be a, a good idea to start off a video where you're you're shooting into a household medium uh starting out that you're by saying like i am testing this broadhead against that broadhead i am not showing you what you should expect when this broadhead hits an animal none of them say it and like i said a lot of the guys doing this don't connect the dots it's a fair mistake and i'm okay with it right i made a lot of blunder and stupid mistakes in the beginning of my youtube career turned some stuff off because it was wrong redid it i'm willing to make mistakes and, and learn from it. That's why I do all the stupid science stuff. Get out the lab radar and find out you're wrong about some stuff, right? Or you go, holy crap, you know, like the mechanical broadhead 50 foot pounds thing. I've been doing this six years. So I finally figured it out this year. Hmm? Yeah. So I just don't want the general public and for everybody listening, I don't want y'all to be misled that a gel test means that's what you're going to see on animals. And secondarily, I made this point in a recent video and got a little bunch of heat from a couple of the pro guys, and I'm going to keep kicking there in the freaking in the head. Screw those guys. They got half an arrow of penetration in the foam, which we all get. Yeah. When you look at the gel test, how far do they go in? About half an arrow. Yeah. Right? You see these thumbnails with 40 arrows sticking in a gel block. Gets a lot of clicks. Good for them. I don't give a hoot in hell. Half an arrow? Well, it's, not what, it's not what you're going to see in, in an animal, obviously. They're not saying it. That That's a fair point, but... They're not have, saying it. They're not saying, okay, you should only expect half an arrow. But what... Okay, so... They're, so saying, they're saying that doesn't, arrow mass doesn't matter. Arrow flight is not talked about. And all the arrows penetrate the same. In other words, they've led yeah. the public to believe none of it matters. Well, shoot see, whatever. That's, that that part I do agree with. So, like, you shoot arrows into gel, you put a bunch of different broadheads on there, and you're gonna you're gonna see differences of like one inch, an inch. Of, like an inch of uh -huh. penetration, but yep. but like an eighth of an inch of difference in penetration in gel could be the difference of like you know eight inches or a pass through and, yeah that. like a pass through or not a pass through in in a real animal but that's why you shoot animals but okay so okay so you shoot animals but and you're and you're testing different broadheads by shooting animals right mm -hmm. so here's my devil's advocate question if you cannot repeat the same shot every time then how can you really test broadhead to broadhead 
Because they're gonna because you have to shoot them. You have to shoot. That's why Ed shot a thousand thirty shots and one hundred and thirteen data points. You have okay. to do it in the aggregate because the target, the animal, because the animal is inconsistent. You have to do it in the aggregate, right? And then you have to find out what starts to show float to the top. Well, right. One of the interesting things about Ed is Ed was pre-carbon. Yeah. So the study started, he didn't have carbon arrows. So forward of center was a known thing. He didn't discover it. Aeronautics guys have known it forever. Yeah. Probably back to Roman days, right? Because they had trebuchets and stuff. They had to make that stuff fly because the other guys were trying to shoot them down with arrows. So as the study progressed, all of a sudden carbon shows up and he's able to massively reduce his arrow mass and put a heavy weight on the front and get it and starts exploring that. That happened like halfway through the study. Yeah. He didn't start there. So another thing about the buffaloes, a lot of people say, well, I only hunt deer. Ed's dumb. He shoots buffaloes. Right. You can't measure penetration if it doesn't stop. Yeah. If it goes right through. Actually, a, pa a pass-through gives you no data, right? Uh, in yeah. your example, right? It gives, you, it, gives you a minim it gives you a minimum amount of penetration. Yeah. You just put pass-through on there, right? Yeah. So the nice thing about the buffaloes, I've talked to Ed about this extensively. They're big. The, the, the chest wall's big. Like, you can shoot it 10 times, yeah. right? And it doesn't compromise. A deer so small, you'd start hitting the holes and breaking ribs and double breaking ribs, and you have to throw those shots out. Yeah. And it's illegal. It's illegal to shoot game animals. You, so you have to find something feral. So you want, if you're going to test the broadhead, you got to test on the medium that you're hunting or similar, and it needs to stop. And then you start to see halfway, three-quarters penetration, always, always exited, and pass-throughs yeah. kind of stuff. Like Rob Nielsen at the Ashby Foundation, his, the first test was in Africa in 2021. His wife shoots 43 pounds at 25 inches. She shoots 575 grains. Her Florida center is right at 30%. She, I mean, her arrows are unicorns. She thinks shooting through a deer is kind of funny. She's about 5'2". She's freaking just the nicest. She's a teacher. She's the nicest lady ever. And she's evil when she hunts. She shot five shots into the thorax of a Cape Buffalo that was down, propped up, and every single arrow penetrated to the fletch. Every wow. broadhead hit the opposite rib cage, shooting 43 pounds. Perfect arrow flight, structural integrity, high four to center, cut on contact, sharpened to razor edge. And right. it's a slow arrow, so it's going to deal mm -hmm. with less drag forces. Right. So, done with that? That's where the that's where the test the target defines the test. Right. So it really does. So so consistency is not what you want. So you want so you massive variability, and then you start taking your arrow systems and you compress them down, and you find out what starts to work in massively variable target. Well, so so you kind of touched on something like you. This this is why I was asking about whether you've done statistical analysis on your data because when you have so much variability, that's really like the best way to to tease apart what you've got uh, with a huge amount of variability. And and I happen to know how to do that kind of stuff, so we can talk about it. I, I'd love to take a look mm -hmm. at your data. But mm -hmm. um, but with that said, if you want to compare broadheads 
with minimal amounts of data than these repeatable mediums that you know other guys are using gives you a way to do that but yes i agree it doesn't show you results that are comparable to what you would expect to see on an animal right but it does allow you to say well this broadhead penetrated more than this broadhead albeit an eighth of an inch in gel and what that actually equates to in in real life is completely unknown it's hard to say but you can say this, this one penetrated better than that one like Which mechanical broadheads, mean, mechanical broadheads do really good in gel because they cut such a big hole in gel that they kind of open the gel up and let them slide in, right? Yeah, I, I've done it, and they don't. They, uh, they, I think what they're doing is opening such a big cavity that the shaft doesn't drag as much. And then you shoot this guy in gel, and it stops like a brick. Well, I it cuts in with the... and it just starts gripping on the broadhead. It just starts eating it alive, right? In gel. But that's that drag that, that I was talking about. Right, but that's that's the gripping on the sides, right? Yeah. We're cutting into an animal. Yeah. And so the test mediums, if they would just say, this is not, you know, <clears throat> this is a test that I'm doing here. This is the comparative analysis on a, on a homogeneous target. Has no relationship to the variability of an animal. But it's kind of interesting. I'm okay with that, but they don't. And like I said, I don't know that they're being intentionally, I know a couple of guys that are actually, they know what they're doing and they're not, they're not telling the truth. Yeah. But most people, Lusk included, I'll throw him in that batch because I think he's an okay dude probably. I don't think they've connected the dots on what people are receiving. Yeah. I don't think they really go, wow, is this, uh, is this misleading anyone? Yeah. Well, and I think another thing to, to consider with that is a lot of those mediums, for instance, that John Lusk is testing on are items that the average person is familiar with. And so they go, oh, they go, oh, yeah, half inch board of MDF particle board. I know what that is. Oh, the arrow penetrated like that. Oh, a steel plate it did like that. OK. So I think for, for a lot of people, it kind of gives them like this. They can relate to it. But yeah, it, it's relatable, but in a way, like you're saying, it kind of gives them a false sense of understanding of what that broadhead's capable of when it comes to shooting. Well, like, I'll give you a real simple example. OSB. OSB is a bunch of splinters glued together in direction, yeah. all directional, infinite directions. Yeah. Smash in a press and a shitload of glue. Yeah. Right? Three-blade broadheads do kick ass in that stuff because they blow a hole through it. Two-blade broadheads don't do worth a damn on it hmm. because they just cut through it. It's so flexible that they just cut a slit, and then the shaft starts dragging real bad. Hmm. Mecha some mechanical broadheads do real good in OSB because they really blow it apart. Yeah. But I haven't seen a deer blow apart like OSB. Everything cuts in, right? So you made a I just, I, I'm just frustrating with I'm just frustrating with the accidental misleading of the public that what they see in these tests are going to be quick when they get in the field because we have enough kills under all of our belts on this podcast to realize that's not true. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would too. Yeah, I mean, it's just not true. And then the guys who show half an arrow in the, in the target, they don't say that, that um, this is the results you're going to see on animals. And yes, they don't say it. Their yeah. agenda is this, 400 penetrates, 
500 penetrates and 600 grains penetrates the same. Guess what? You're losing velocity with each arrow. The target captures energy. Newton's third law starts to apply. The faster it goes, the harder it pushes back, the slower heavy arrow penetrates, and the math works out that they all penetrate about the same with a field point. And they just say, none of this heavy arrow stuff matters. Inertia doesn't matter. Momentum doesn't matter. They don't talk about the fact that the broadhead really matters. Yeah. They just say it's all a bunch of BS. I just did a whole video on this, and I got all kind of beautiful hate mail. It got the reaction I was looking for, so I'm going to keep doing it. I'm thinking about doing a test where I shoot a foam target and then shoot a freaking dumpster. And I'm going to say, why didn't it penetrate? Why? Should have gone halfway in. It's fast. Is that too irrational? I'm going to shoot a telephone pole, a rock, a dumpster. I'm going to shoot a pig foam target right here. I shot a computer screen the other day, and that was a pretty cool test. I got about half oh. an inch penetration, but, man, it looked cool. Oh. If, if, if the arrow penetrates halfway into a foam target, it should penetrate into a dumpster. Target doesn't matter. Yeah. That's a little outrageous, but that's where it goes, man. That's what they're selling. You make a if fair I shoot a dumpster, if I shoot a dumpster, it should penetrate because it penetrated in the foam. Foam targets is gold standard, brother. Yeah. Pisses me off. Because, and I'm not pissed because they're coming after me or making fun of me and all the stupid memes and stuff. That's fine and totally be expected. Weak people do weak things and leaders lead and you always get shot in the back. That's fine. I don't care. But you can't mislead the general public who's not all ate up in the ass worrying about all this stuff. and They just want good information. So that's why I try to shoot, I don't know how many gajillion pigs I shot on video and test different stuff. Yeah. And try to break stuff. We intentionally try to hit them in the humorous and stuff. We're trying to break well, them down. And honestly, that's why, you know, that's why I, I mean, when I first watched one of your videos, that's why I kept checking out more of them because you're, you're kind of a no BS guy and you get straight up information. And, and that's exactly. No, I'm not here to, I'm not here to lie to anybody. I want to be the one who takes the horrible shots on an animal that is not regulated. The law doesn't care. There's no wanton waste laws. You can shoot pigs out of helicopters, drop RPGs on them, bombs, grenades, run over them with a tank. Nobody cares. They are the perfect test medium because they are legal to do that to. Yeah. Let me do the horrible stuff. You shoot them where they're supposed to be shot and don't try to hit them bad. But if you do, I got a solution. You know what to expect. Yeah. If you get a plan A shot, everything we're talking about doesn't matter. Yeah. But when you pull one, they jump the string, they drop, they're too close, they're quartering in and they're real close. There's nothing but bone in the way on a quartering in downhill shot out of a tree stand at 10 yards. There's nothing but bones in the way. Yeah. Just anchor them. But you got to shoot the right system. Yeah. And you can absolutely, you can just take it and aim right at the heart and say, shoulder blade be damned, I'm cutting that thing right off. Walk. I've seen that. It has to be. It, I mean, we're talking 60 single bevel and 600 grains. We're not talking about some weenie ass arrow. We're talking I, about. Actually, uh, I saw that done with a rage chisel tip with uh, 600 grains with a rage chisel tip on the end. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it went into the heart. It snapped the, uh, 
whatever that bone is. Yeah, cut the cut the shoulder blade off, sure. No, not the shoulder blade, the one below the the one that the bottom of the V. This Oh, one. He, he cut the humerus off. Yeah, he cut like literally right in half and it went into the heart. Now the broadhead didn't have blades by the time it got there, mm-hmm. but it got the job done. Well, I got anyway. of penetration in the right spot. So that's another thing. <clears throat> there are certain little impact points on the bones where if you hit them hard enough with something, get your heavy equipment operator over there to get some big-ass <laughs> air hammer, they will break. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But the percentage chance, again, that spot. we have a very, very, quite variable target with a lot of possibilities. We are trying to walk the arrow system down to this is an 80% pl- plus kind of arrow. Or you can get out here and you can say, okay, this is about a 30% arrow. Yeah. I had one of the pros tell me the other day, he just shoots around the bones. I sent him some pictures from the uh, Smithsonian that I took. It's kind of a bitch to do that. There's a lot of them. <laughs> There's a lot of bones. A lot At of least bones. in the lethal part, you know. Yeah. There's All a right. reason why the vitals are behind them. <laughs> so, um, yeah. right. It keeps them alive. They don't get eaten so easy. Yeah. Especially with a hog. They got that whole shield thing going on. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So anyway, I think, uh, we better wrap this thing up. So, um, so let everybody know where they can find your, um, your, your stuff, your, your content. Well, it's pretty easy. I'm lucky to have a great name. So just type in Rancher in the Googler. You'll probably see that or this or some stupid picture of me with a fairy wand. But uh, I try to keep it fun. I'm not a, I'm a no BS guy. I'm going to hit you between the eyes. You're going to be upset at me at times. Get over yourself. And um, I want you to be, my goal is for everyone who listens to me to be as lethal as they possibly can in all situations. I've had four elk come in this year that didn't take four steps. And um, you, you have, level. you've partnered together with uh, a couple different companies now that are selling some of the stuff. Yeah. So here. I Seriously? actually have, you can type in ranch fairy store. I have my own arrows. We have our own broadheads, all that stuff. I'm partnered with Sirius archery. And so just type in ranch fairy store. If you want to see that all my videos on tuning and stuff are under the air. If you select an arrow, it'll be there by grinning ass talking about how to tune them and stuff. I'm also partnered with Magnus Broadheads and Work Sharp Sharpers. Cool. So those are my sponsors. All right, everybody. Well, you heard it. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about building building awesome arrows and uh, different types of broadheads, go check out his YouTube channel, Range Fairy. And uh, like I said, that's it. If you got questions, uh, he will probably answer you. So shoot him a no, message. No, I'll answer you. Just the easiest place to reach out to me is Instagram. I get up every morning at about 4.30 in the morning. I answer emails and get ready for work. So I will answer. I'll help you out however I can. Like I said, uh, I, there's a very good possibility if I kill a mule deer this year, it would probably be the last deer I ever shoot. I want to go. I'm going fishing. But I'm going to keep doing the lethality stuff and all the science around archery to help everybody else. I You're going to film that hunt though, right? I don't know. I don't know. I I really, I probably won't. I probably will. I'll probably just post some pictures on Instagram and just go hunting. Sometimes I just, just sometimes I just want to go hunting. Yeah. I wish I had, I don't have a cameraman. My son's not going to be able to go because he just started a new job or he could run around with a camera. And I'll, I don't know. I may, 
I may, but it's liable to be a 400 yard shot. I don't have a camera adequate for that. I'm, I'm hunting with a rifle. Oh, and, yeah. um, <clears throat> because that's what I drew. The yeah. Western game is stupid. You can put in for all kinds of weapons and take what you get. Well, I got a rifle tag, so is okay. I'm, I'm going to go do that. All right, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, like I said, you know, we've been, we've been talking for a while and I've been watching your stuff for a while. So it's been fun kind of talking through all this stuff and uh, asking you some of these silly questions that I've been thinking about for the last few years. You guys holler at me anytime. I'll help you however I can. And anybody out there, please, please reach out to me. I'll help you however I can. Sounds good, man. All right. Have a good I'm evening. Gonna, I'm going to stop this recording if I can figure out how. And recording.